Hey everybody, this is Pastor James and welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. As we start chapter 13 today, I do want to let you know that this is a pretty short chapter and we should be able to finish it with ease. But let's begin with the final verse of chapter 12 so that you know what Paul is leading into. Now remember in chapter 12, Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how God gave people different gifts so the body of Christ could function in unity with one another as each part did what it was designed to do. And you got to remember uh, that he compared the church to the human body in many different parts, but all created with the purpose to do the master's will. So verse 31 of chapter 12 says, So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. <clears throat> all right, let's read chapter 13 together. 1 Corinthians, uh, start with verse 1 and read through verse 13, which is the entire chapter. Paul says, If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. All right. So Paul immediately begins with speaking in tongues, and you have to notice that the gift of tongues was highly coveted, and pushed among the early church, and it still is today, even in our culture in America. <clears throat> but Paul also talks about all of the other spiritual gifts, the common denominator that just doesn't seem to be present among the church in Corinth is the act of love. And you can do all of these things, and without love, it's all meaningless. You could give everything away and even sacrifice your body, but if you don't truly love, then there's nothing for you to gain in all of that sacrifice. So, Someone might ask, well, why is that? Why could you do all of these amazing things but yet gain nothing if you don't love? Like, why do you have to love? Shouldn't the sacrifice still count? <clears throat> and some people might even ask, well, can you even truly love everyone? Can, can you really love people like that? And that might be scary or intimidating to think about. Um, the, the attitude of the heart that must go into all of these things. And if our heart does not love others, <coughs> then all of this is for nothing. And you might ask, okay, well, does that mean I'm doing all this for nothing? Am I 
following Christ? Am I serving Him? Am I doing things that I'm not always 100% excited about? Am I doing it for nothing? Because sometimes I just don't know if I love like Paul was commanding us to love. So before we move on, it is important to know that Paul uses the term agape in this passage. And uh, if you've uh, been around uh, scripture reading for, for any amount of time, you know that the Greeks used four different terms for love, and agape was the most unused of the four because it demanded a lot more of people than they were usually willing to give. Um, the other three forms of love were, were very much uh, <clears throat> common and, and easy to perform. They're easy to experience. The other forms of love are a lot uh, more built on emotion, which is kind of very similar to our culture today. I feel like as people, we we rely on emotion and feelings a lot more than we should. But agape is a self-giving, sacrificial love. It doesn't come with strings attached. It does not demand or expect anything in return. <clears throat> it is a love because there is a desire to love, even and especially when the person doesn't want or even deserve the love being given. Now that's hard and that's very deep. Um, it's a very unique kind of love. And, and, and it's unique because uh, Paul just addressed the idea that, you know, you could do all the things, all these things. You could sacrifice and you could have all these gifts and you can do all these amazing things. But if you do it with the expectation of receiving something back or getting something in return, then you're basically doing it with the wrong motive. And Paul is, is talking about agape love and the attitude of having these spiritual gifts and making sacrifices. <clears throat> and he's talking about the attitude of a person's heart and the fact that it's not pure. The fact that doing things with strings attached and expecting things in return does not represent Christ. You know, Christ died on the cross for the sins of the entire world, and he very much knew that most of the people that were alive then and most of the people that were ever uh, live um, in the future were going to reject him. But Jesus did it anyways because he was filled with the Spirit of God. He, he knew God. <coughs> he was God. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was very much willing to make this sacrifice expecting nothing because he knew most people would still deny him. And remember, it is possible to have a gift of the Spirit and not be Spirit-filled. We talked about that a few weeks back, but this is basically how the church in Corinth was operating. They were full of spiritual gifts and good deeds, but they were not Spirit-filled. They were filled with jealousy, greed, selfish ambition, and many other things. Everything they did, they expected to receive something in return for it. And this is exactly what Paul is combating against in this chapter. Agape is a self-denying love that exists solely for the benefit of others. And so it's coming to the attitude that your spiritual gift was meant for others. It's coming to the attitude that your sacrifice was meant for others, that they benefit from it and you don't. And it's important to remember that there was a push among people in the early church to become martyrs. And, and if you don't know what martyrs is, being a martyr is someone who dies or suffers in the name of Christ, but mostly they die in the name of Christ. And so in the early church, 
in the first couple hundred years, there were people who were purposefully putting themselves in situations and doing things so that they would be put to death because of their faith. Because there was this idea that if someone was killed as a result of their faith in Christ, then they would automatically have entrance into heaven. But what Paul is saying combats that whole ideology that without love, without agape love, it means nothing. Jesus and the Holy Spirit must be present in your life to fill you to the point of doing what is commanded by God with no expectation of rewards. And that is really difficult. And as I read this, like even I myself have to sit here this morning and take a step back and question my heart and my motives because we all want heaven. Like I want heaven. I want eternal life. I want blessings from the Lord. You know, I, I, I want all these things. Like there, there are desires in my life. But we should do it out of love and not expectation. It's an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude and an understanding of being filled with the Spirit. Well, Paul moves on in verse 4 to describe what love actually is. He says, okay, well, this is what love is. So if you're questioning whether or not you're truly loving, this is what love is. And he starts off with what it's not. It's not feelings or infatuations. It's not a mindset or desire. And Paul describes love in words of action, okay? Agape love is love in action. It's not feelings. It's not infatuations. It's not mindsets and desires. Agape love is described with words of actions. He uses verbs. <clears throat> so he, he goes on, and I'm not going to go through the, these things word for word. This is a great passage. People always love chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, so I'm sure you'll go back and, and, and read this. But he talks about how love is this, and love is this. And then he goes on to say, well, love is not this. And there's more that he describes of what love is not. And he says, love is not this. It does not do this. It never does this. And love is this. And love endures. <clears throat> love is not based on circumstances, but agape love is eternal. And many people always associate verses 4 through 7 with couples and marriage. But verses 4 through 7 is very much a love that it should exist between all brothers and sisters in Christ. Now I want you to think about that for a second and contemplate that. That agape love. Yes, we should love our husbands and wives with agape love. We should love our children with agape love. But we should also love our brothers and sisters in Christ with agape love. A self-sacrificing <clears throat> love of action that expects nothing in return. And that is a great indicator of whether or not someone's heart truly belongs to Christ because that takes a great amount of effort, it takes a great amount of sacrifice, and it takes a very humble person to be willing to give themselves away and not ever expect anything in return. So, Paul moves on in verse 8 to talk about how gifts of the Spirit will eventually become useless. <clears throat> now, this is really important. And it's kind of odd. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but some of the things that people elevate significantly will be done away with in future times. Many of the gifts of the Spirit are partial and incomplete. And Paul talks about that, you know, um, just as all the different parts of the body. If you only had 
certain parts, your body would be incomplete. But if all the parts are present, then it's complete. So the spiritual gifts are wonderful, but they are only a small part of what's going on. They are an incomplete gift from the Lord. And they're not always going to be needed. Um, They will be done away with at some point in time. And people elevate these things significantly, but we got to remind ourselves that our gifts will be done away with at certain points in time. They're, they're partial, they're incomplete. Love is eternal, and God is love. And when the time of perfection comes, which Paul talks about, the partial things will be useless. And this is very, very important to remember as people who are trying to figure out what their spiritual gift is, how they're going to serve the Lord, and you just put a lot of emphasis on this. Don't put so much emphasis on spiritual gifts. You should put the emphasis on love. So moving on to verses 11 to 12. These verses have kind of a special place in my heart because as I started my freshman year at Southern Wesleyan University, I walked into the coach's office as we began baseball during that first week. And one of the assistant coaches um, heard that I was a Christian, heard that I was kind of involved in some of the camps and different ministries and stuff going on in the district. And um, he wrote these two verses, verses 11 through 12, on a piece of paper, and he gave them to me. And I didn't really know what to think at first because I was curious as to whether or not he was calling me immature. Did he know something I didn't? Um, And I didn't know what to think at first, but the answer is probably, yeah, like I was immature. He did know something I didn't. Um, Even now as a 38-year-old, I'm married with three kids, pastoring a church, have been in ministry for 18 years, um, you know, have done a lot of different stuff now, and at the same time, I still need to grow and mature. Uh, I I will look back on things that I think are fine, and maybe even good right now, and shake my head in shame years from now. And I know that I'm probably going to do that because I've done that several times throughout the course of my life of things that I thought were perfectly fine. And now I look back and I regret doing them or saying them or being involved in them. And, you know, I I know that things like that are going to happen again. You know, there comes a point in time as followers of Christ that we have to acknowledge (coughs) that we are children and we all need to grow up. We have to put away childish things and understand that... Ten years from now, we will still need to put away childish things. There's never a point in time where we are truly grown up. And God is always calling us to grow, to mature and sacrifice for Him. And right now, you and I see things imperfectly. And Paul refers to them as puzzling reflections in a mirror. And today, even if you go out and you buy the cheapest mirror that you can find... The, the images that we see in a mirror are still pretty good quality, even if they're cheap. But during this time, mirrors were extremely expensive. Um, most people did not have them. And they were made of polished metal. And the images that people seen in these mirrors were kind of fuzzy and distorted at best. And it didn't give a clear picture as to what someone really looked like. It just kind of gave you a roundabout way of trying to Fix yourself up to the best of your ability. But Paul uses this analogy to communicate that one day people will see everything with perfect clarity as everything that is complete or partial now will be completed then. 
And when God reveals himself upon the return of Christ, <clears throat> all will be revealed and known. Right now, you and I are just trying to do the best we can with what little bit of information and knowledge we have. But love, and agape love that is, that self-sacrificing love can get us through all of these misunderstandings and circumstances. <clears throat> so it's not a matter of what you do and don't do. It's not a matter of what you give or what you sacrifice or even burning your body, sacrificing yourself, which is what Paul talked about. Um the the misunderstandings and, and, and the circumstances like all that doesn't matter. If we love, that overcomes all things. Love covers a multitude of sin and love gives us the right attitude to do all the things that Christ has called us to do. <clears throat> and even though we don't know these things or even know ourselves completely, it's important to remember that God does know us. And he does know circumstances, and he does know everything completely, and that he sees us to the eternal, which is and should always be the primary goal in our lives. <clears throat> now, Paul finishes up with verse 13 as he talks about three things that will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And, and you know, you think about faith. Faith is what initiates our salvation. It initiates our relationship with Christ. The hope of God sustains us to live this life in in expectation of of what's to come of of meeting our heavenly father and dwelling with him and guess what the greatest of all is love the gifts of the spirit are wonderful and they're very useful if they're used with the right heart and attitude but they were never supposed to be the focus or the pursuit of of which um is the main mistake that the Corinthians are made. I mean, like they were focused in pursuing these gifts. Well, they were never supposed to be the focus, and they were never supposed to be what they were pursuing. They're supposed to be pursuing Christ. We should be pursuing faith. We should be pursuing hope. We should be pursuing love. These are the three eternal things that Paul says should be the desire of every believer. <clears throat> these are the three things that are better these are the three things that are the most excellent way of life. That's what Paul's talking about. Let me show you a better way of life. Pursue faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these in love. And Paul started out this chapter talking about love. Agape love. And this is what he finishes the chapter with. Love will last forever and love is the greatest. And so I ask you the question as we finish up today. What are you pursuing in your life? What are you chasing after? I hope that it's faith, hope, and love. Let's pray and I'll let you guys go. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather together, to study your word, to talk about it, to learn and grow. And God, I just pray that you would speak into our hearts and lives. Use us in mighty ways. Help us more than anything to pursue faith, hope, and love. <clears throat> all of our other gifts and talents are great and Lord I pray that we would always use them to glorify you but Lord help us not to make them the focus of our life help us to focus on you help us to set our eyes on you help us to devote all things to you with no expectation of anything in return Lord help us to love truly the agape self-sacrificing love that you've called us to we thank you and we ask all this in Jesus name Amen all right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week.
We love you. We're praying for you. We hope to see you in person. But if not, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and the podcast. See you soon.